0: There's a man named Abram. He was about 75 years old when God called him to leave his home and to go to a land, a land that he would show him. No roadmap, no, this is the place. Just go and I'll tell you when you're there. What do you think it cost Abram to do that? What, what would he have to give up to follow God's call? There was a a shepherd his name was Moses do you remember what happened to him at the uh, the burning bush God sent him to Pharaoh the king of Egypt with the message let my people go what fears and dangers did Moses face what what price did he pay in frustration and sorrow to lead God's people to the very edge of the promised land. What about, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Their king made this, this huge gold statue, and they re, he required all people in the land to bow down and worship it. Do you remember the, the consequence the king commanded if any person did not bow down and worship? They would to be thrown into a... Fiery furnace, right? But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they believed in the one true God who said, You shall have no other gods. Do you think that there was a cost to them when they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar and basically said, Whether we live or not, we're not going to bow down? Do you think that was easy to trust? And to follow God in that moment? Or or how about that dozen guys that Jesus called to be his disciples? He told them, come follow me. And for three years they traveled with him and preached the gospel. And and then after Jesus was crucified and and after he had risen from the dead, they went out and they, they, they shared the message. In time, Every one of them would be arrested for talking about Jesus' resurrection. Once, early on, they were all arrested at the same time. And they stood before the same court, the very same people who condemned Jesus to death. They stood there before that court and they said, we must obey God rather than men. Eleven of those disciples were killed in time. Killed for preaching about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. Should I go on? Should I talk about Polycarp, who was burned at the stake? Or Perpetua and Felicitas, uh, godly women who faced wild animals uh, and were martyred in the gladiatorial arena? It's said that uh, Perpetua had this young gladiator who was to execute her, and he stabbed her several times and couldn't get it right until she took him by the hand and guided his sword. Should I I talk about modern martyrs like Anila and Praveen in Pakistan? Nikolai Kamara in the old Soviet Union? Yun from China? Shalchun from Nigeria? Or Philip from Sudan? Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Who who said that? Jesus did. I think that we will find, if we're following Jesus, that we will not be at home in this world. There are stories that are often told about people who convert to Christianity. They talk about how much better their lives are than they were before. And sometimes we use those stories almost like advertising. Asking, don't you want something this good too? Don't you want your life to be wonderful and happy? All you have to do is believe and you'll receive it. And I'm not saying that your life won't be better if you follow Jesus. When he calls to you and you follow him, it will be. But perhaps not in, the world that, not in the way that the world thinks of better. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account. I just don't generally count those as blessed, not in worldly terms. But Jesus says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Why, why were those people blessed? What was their reward? It's Jesus. And that's our reward. We have Jesus. We have God's love. We have eternal life. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have the promise of the resurrection from the dead. What is that worth? What is the value of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection? There are some who would say that Jesus' teaching is very valuable. But they have little use for Jesus' death and resurrection. Here we preach Christ crucified as the center of our message. The matter of first importance. You see, without Jesus' death and resurrection, his teaching really isn't that valuable. If Jesus didn't die and rise for us, he's just another historical figure, another ancient philosopher like Plato or Aristotle. And besides that, without Jesus' forgiveness and new life, I've come to find in my life that I have no hope of really following in any way that is valuable what Jesus taught. We are dead in our trespasses and sins without jesus and dead people dead people don't need to be taught they need to be raised that jesus died and rose for us is a message that's worth dying for and i think that's something that the world needs Something that it isn't just you know, my comfort, my, my satisfaction, my you know, me, me, me. That there's something bigger than ourselves that's worth dying for. But Jesus isn't just worth dying for. This message of God's love in Christ, it's a message that's worth living for. Having our lives completely wrapped around and centered on that message of God's love in Christ. I want to go back to what Jesus said at the end of our gospel reading today. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, the value of God's kingdom, his grace, his forgiveness, his love, all these things that Jesus died to deliver to us, that value is so high and so wonderful that we should always and only want it. We should always and only want what God gives us and not what the kingdom of this world offers us. Do you ever desire the things of this world more than the things of the kingdom of God? Are you ever more concerned about the things of this world than you are about the things of the kingdom of heaven? Have we put our hand to the plow and looked back? Yeah. Every last one of us has. Our actions, our words, uh, uh, the things we think, they're often more influenced by the world than they are the kingdom of God. And, And this is why we need repentance. This old sinful nature that that was drowned and died when we were baptized, it keeps popping up and it needs to be taken back down into the water. The reality is, at the end of the day, we are not worthy of the kingdom of God. So who is? Well, to answer that question, we actually need to go back to the beginning of the gospel lesson. When it says this, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up. We know what that means, right? We're talking about the cross, we're talking about the resurrection, we're eventually talking about his ascension. Into heaven. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face for Jerusalem. Remember what happens. He, he comes to this village and they won't accept him. Why? Because he is set on Jerusalem. Why is Jesus going to Jerusalem? To die. He's going there to die for you and for me. He's going there to pay for the sins of the world. He is going there to give his life so that we could be freed from sin, forgiven, reconciled to God, and saved from death. This is why he came. That even before he was born, this was part of the message of why he was coming. Remember um, Joseph, Jesus' you know, earthly father? When he found out that Mary was pregnant, he was going to divorce her quietly. But an angel of the Lord appeared to him, says to him, hey, marry her. The one inside of her, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, when he's born, you don't have a choice. Give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sin. Even before Jesus was born, this was his task. This was, this was the field that he was sent to plow. And he put his hand to the plow, and he never looked back. He is worthy of the kingdom. He counted the cost, and he found you to be worth it. Not that you're worthy of the kingdom, but that he loves You And you were valuable enough to him that he would die for you. He's worthy of the kingdom, and he gives it to you by faith. This is why Abraham, and and Moses, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the disciples, and so many others were willing to die for their faith in Jesus. They counted the cost, and they found it worth it. The hope we have in Jesus is worth dying for. Not only that, it is worth living for, sacrificing for, and it's worth sharing. There's an old description of evangelism Evangelism is when somebody tells somebody else about Jesus. Just, just you know, it's sharing good news. You know, sometimes people hear that word and they're like, yeah. "Not completely clear what that means, but that sounds pretty scary." It's just talking to somebody else about Jesus and sharing the love of Jesus with somebody else. And, and they said that that evangelism is like when one evangelism is when one sinner tells another sinner about Jesus it's like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. But That's not quite true. It's not quite right. The truth is that Jesus has given us the kingdom. It's ours. By his promises it's ours. The grace, the love, the promises of God, they are all ours. And when we tell about Jesus, we're not telling them where to find bread. We're giving them bread. We give them the bread of life. We're giving them the kingdom. And that's what we're here for. That's worth any cost. Jesus, Jesus is worth living for. Amen.